Hi, today's March 5th, 2023. This is Movies Podcast 450. We made it to 450. I'm Tara Moore, my good friend, a good Dr. John Westfall, and our other good friends joining us for episode 450. Uh, let's see, is this alphabetical? Yes, thank you very much, whoever typed that in. <laughs> Stephen Hughes, uh, and, uh, and also frequent uh, guest panelists, uh, Sven Johansson and Don Sorsonelli. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on short notice. But I wanted to gather a bunch of folks together for 450 and, uh, and see, where we, where, see where everybody is and uh, what you think is going on. I'll, I'll start off with a couple of things. Um, so I read uh, iMore.com has something that says iMessage is now available for Windows 11 users on iPhone. I have not tried this yet. Anybody try that? No. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I actually tried it in its beta form. It's part of the uh, uh, what do they call it? a link to uh, link to phone from Windows. Oh. Uh, yeah. That that application previously for the longest time it was available on Android for uh, for Android devices. But uh, yeah, they extended it, and I was actually with it. Worked on it in the uh, I worked with it in the beta form. Uh, you know, I so I'm not on the beta release, but I, I did get the uh, no, notes Windows notes with tabs uh, update last yeah. night. So that was moderately exciting, I guess. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> yeah, tabs, tabs, tabs. That's a replace where the file explorer with tabs. Yeah. Notepad. Yeah, they they discovered tabs, so you know, yay Microsoft. <laughs> Next, it'll be sticky notes. <laughs> sticky notes with tabs. Oh, sticky notes with tabs. You know, now that's actually an interesting concept. You know, kind of grouped sticky notes. I kind of like that idea, actually. Um, and I used to use their sticky notes app in Windows 10 quite a bit when I was working, believe it or not. It was actually kind of handy, you know, instead of sticking a literal piece of paper on my screen. Uh, the other thing is, if you are a Google One subscriber, you now have, amongst other things, you have Magic Eraser and a bunch of other stuff. So, and I happen to be a Google one. I, I think I paid like $20 a year to get 100 gigs. Does that sound right? Yeah, 100 gigs of storage extra over and above what, you know, the free Google um, Drive has. And there's a whole, I see a whole bunch of new Google One only uh, features in, in photos now, in Google Photos. So, and you know, one of the topics I, I wanted to discuss one of these days, probably not today, but I, I collected a bunch of articles about various fairly popular applications, um, mobile applications, mostly for iPhone, going from a freemium model to a subscription model. You know, freemium being you get try it and you like it, you buy it to, well, just subscribe. <laughs> and pay us every year, which I understand. I get it. I just don't like it. Yeah, um, yeah Apple may do that with their hardware soon, too. That's yeah. the rumor. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, remember, most people are on the upgrade path of a phone. They just rent it to a subscription yeah. model. And the same thing will happen probably with laptops and iPads too. Yeah. Microsoft has that sense. for enterprises where mm-hmm. you, you do a, a Microsoft 365 and it includes leases. But that's, um, at least for state governments, that's rough to do because of the way budgets work. So that's really not, not a good thing. We don't refresh every two years. I've seen, yeah, I think I've seen the same thing that you were saying, Todd. I've seen a lot of apps that used to be freemium model that are now suddenly will give you a week or two weeks yeah. to try and yeah. then subscribe. Yeah. You, you know, the one that shocked a lot of people and actually upset a lot of people is, you know, Autodesk, the AutoCAD people. Uh, they they have a, a Auto, Autodesk sketchpad, which is actually a pretty good sketching tool. And it used to be a... Um, a paid product, and then a couple of years ago, it became completely free—not freemium, just free. You know, download and use it, and if you don't like it, don't use it. If you like it, use it. That's it. There's no additional cost. And then it got split off, and it became an independent entity. I don't know if somebody bought it or it just was you know split into a sub, but it split off into another owner, so to speak, at least legally. And now it's paid only, and so a lot of people are screaming bloody murder. Um, I don't think it's too expensive, but, you know, I, uh, I get it. You know, something you're using for free and all of a sudden it's not. Um, people felt like that about Office. Remember when Office used to come as just part of the desktop PC yeah. you bought? And then people found out you actually have to pay for it <laughs> later on <laughs> to upgrade or whatever. And 
they're not happy campers but yeah. um, ring cameras getting some blowback on that too oh started yeah to, yeah started hey you're not gonna be able to do this anymore unless you pay yeah. us yeah, yeah. So. the other spin in this and i the, i can't remember who did it but just recently somebody went from a monthly subscription to oh. a required quarter minimum is is in three month increments and oh. i guess that, that's interesting along the lines of we don't want you using it and then dropping it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, as Steve just noticed, why is that? I can see that on a lot of. I can see a lot happening on the streaming services. You know, where you people yeah. will, will you know do one for a month, stream everything, binge everything they want. Yeah. Drop yeah. it, get another one yeah. for a month, get another one for a month. You know. I think Game of Thrones do people are doing yeah. HBO for a while. They'll subscribe to HBO for the Game of Thrones and then drop it for nine months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I, one of the uh, and and Steve will remember from living in the Northeast. Uh, uh, one of the sports networks, Nesson, which is uh, actually owned in part by the Red Sox and part by the Bruins, um, they spun off their own. Um, they spun off their own app now, and you can bypass having to get one of the bigger services and find hmm. it in a packet, um, and they're monthly or annual and it's funny that you mentioned that because the only reason why we have a monthly is for one team, a certain hockey team uh you know in the, in the in the boston bruins and the goal is once the season what season winds down we're axing the subscription until the next hockey season but i could see that being another case where you know when they realize that that's what a lot of people are doing with a lot of these monthlies, I could see somebody like them saying, no, you've got to commit to X number of months yeah, uh, in order to do it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, and like we said, streaming services, software, I'm, I'm guessing that somebody is sitting behind the scenes, analyzing this financially and say, especially with on the app side going, this isn't getting us anything. Nobody's upgrading on the freemium model. So if I want to keep the app alive, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think the Angry Rovio, the Angry Birds people literally wrote that in their blog or press release or whatever about their switch of, of Angry Birds from a freemium model to, you know, a subscription model or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, and of course, those are... Also... With a unique term called early termination fees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Of course, you know, those of us who subscribe to Apple One or Apple Arcade, you know, kind of already do that. So, and uh, the only reason I, I have that is because of John, of course, you know, he says, you should really get an <laughs> um, Apple I'm One. I'm horrible like that. You know, it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's almost $40 a month now. I think it's going to go up to $40 a month. But I have to admit, it's kind of worth it. Not hey, so much for the Arcade you're, thing, but. You're using it more than the Crow Pie. So, uh, this is true. This you is blame true. me for the Crow Pie and. And many other things. Oh, I blame you for lots of things. That, yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> yeah. a bad influence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? Why switched to a kind of a paid model a couple, maybe a year ago? Yeah. Um, and they had a real reasonable yeah. intro fee, like two dollars a month or something, to get it pays you one as well too. With yeah. The yeah. Light service, and they yeah. they went away with that now with the new cameras that they have. Yeah. You have to have a subscription service in order to get even just the basic features that were in, under other cameras before. Yeah, so, which, which is a pity. Yeah, all, it's funny in all this talk about the business side of things. I I find it interesting recently in the area of of sports, which surprised me, and um, which was the Major League Soccer deal with uh, with. Apple TV, and the reason why I found that interesting is previously they worked on a model similar to baseball, which is your regional networks cover almost everything, and then your broadcast networks cover mm-hmm. national. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much locked down in that new deal. You either get to watch a game that Fox Sports chooses once in a blue moon, or mm-hmm. you get the subscription. Your local your local team isn't available on a local network. Interesting. And that was pretty, I, I mean, that was kind of shocking because, again, that's like so many of the sports outside of, of professional football. You know, you look at um, you look at baseball, you look at basketball, you know, hockey. There's national contracts, but then it's always the regional and local networks uh, that, that cover the local team's games uh, so you don't miss anything. And they basically, <laughs> Major League Soccer said, ah, too bad. So, uh, 
fortunately for T-Mobile subscribers, we actually got the season pass for Major League Soccer thrown in as part of uh, as part of our uh, T-Mobile subscription. So that but might just be that might just be to placate you for their numerous security breaches. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like everyone now? (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised how many people still use their default admin password. That's really scary. (laughs) Hey, what's this thing you you posted in our chat group, uh, Steve? This Tesla charger, non-Tesla? Oh, Tesla. Yeah, so Tesla introduced, uh, if you have a non-Tesla, you can now charge your non-Tesla at Tesla charging stations. But it requires an updated yeah, only the ones they bought. Exactly. So that's it. They, they basically have like a CCS converter that locks onto the device. I mean, it would be nice if actually they sold those and then people would use them everywhere, but that hasn't yeah. been come through the supply chain. It's only in select areas right now. And I think, surprisingly, I think in California, there's a, I've only seen like two, and one's about 30 miles away from me, and you can't get to it because it's all buried in snow in Placer County. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> which, which is, which is kind of sad. So all, all the bays are open, though, if people do want to charge. Yeah, but, and then I yeah, think the, upstate the, New York has actually a lot as well too. And there's I know, actually like, a bunch some of around bloggers. Yep, around here in California, in Colorado, there's there's some of them, but you can actually find them with if in the app. I went and downloaded the Tesla app. I don't have a Tesla. I do have an EV, but uh, yep. I downloaded the app, and it's right at the very top. This says charge your non-Tesla vehicle, hmm. and it will only point you to those stations that are are upgraded. What's a Tesla station it? look and, like? I don't know if we have uh, any in Hawaii. Looks like that thing that uh, he posted in the. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the only, I don't think yeah, I've the only issue is that the uh, yeah, the only issue is that the cord is really short. So depending uh, on where your vehicle has a charging port, it might not yeah. reach. So like some uh, of the bigger trucks, like the the Ford Lightning, the uh, sort of thing, the Rivians, they, they really have to get really close to it. And depending on how they orientate the parking spots, it makes it a little mm. difficult to get into those spots. But it's great for like as Sven said, for non-Tesla users. Basically, you can just pull up the app; it'll find it for you, and then we'll pull up Apple Maps and we'll route you right to where you need to go. And it'll kind of like let you give you an updates when, when stalls are available. So, Steve, and, you, yeah. yeah, you mentioned about it being with the closest one to you being buried in the snow. I've made a recent observation. A lot of the shopping, uh, the, the malls here in, in, in the greater Boston area have now added charging stations, but they seem to have put them where the snow plows normally. <laughs> yeah. everything to clear parking spaces. They're like in corners and off. Yeah. So you need to pack a snowblower or a shovel, right, in order to get to charge your vehicle. I need to charge my car. I'll have to use part of that charging for my part of what's remaining for the charge for my electric snowblower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because I've seen three different locations where I I noticed that when we were first starting to get some snow, I'm like, that's where those guys always plow everything. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, you, you. it's nice that they offer it, but it'll be interesting to see if you can get to it, especially after yesterday's storm. Yeah. That's uh, probably because uh, somebody came out there with a survey and, and people said, you know, right over there in the corner, nobody ever parks over there. Why don't you use that? <laughs> <laughs> that so, like I said, I don't think I've ever seen a Tesla. I mean, we, I see a lot of Teslas on the road. I just don't, I've just never seen that, that charging pedestal oh. or whatever. We have a lot of charging. You can find the closest one near you. Interesting. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, EV chargers, you know, all over the place. I I think they're required, um, you know, by some kind of statute. Yeah, very. I will. I will take a look. Um, I maybe maybe it'll start like handicap spots. You know, if you have a business, you have to have so many handicap slots and so many EV chargers. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that changed here recently, by the way, it used to be that you could kind of just park. I think EVs could park in the parking special parking slots for free for like unlimited amount of time, but now it's not unlimited anymore because there's so many EVs. Right Tesla now. will charge you mm-hmm. if you're in there. Yeah, I, I read that on on Tesla stuff. It's kind of interesting. It's a good idea, uh, but they have an idling charge. Yeah, that's uh, if you sit there after you're charged, it'll you're start racking space. up money. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is, and I think it's a good idea. You know. Yeah, like I, I said, I've got an EV, but I've I've charged it away from home once just to just to see what it was like we, we drive it around town and you know you charge it in the garage at home and it's perfect for that you know i think so almost, that was your experience i'm oh, sorry yeah i think almost every commercial lot that i've seen uh parking garage here in in the area 
now has time limits where a lot of them, even a year or so ago, didn't have any time limits. Now they've explicitly put up yeah. uh, to, to limit you typically to you know, anywhere from two to four hours, I'm assuming, based on what they think charging time might be. But yeah, they, they don't let you sit there anymore. And they do. They do. I know of one in particular that does uh, their guys go around and will we'll definitely enforce it. So did everybody except me buy an EV? I don't think John bought an EV yet. Yeah, no, no real reason to with given most of my driving. I either drive 800 miles in a day or <laughs> yeah, one. Or, or nothing. And, yeah. and if it's one, I can walk. And 800, uh, yeah, a little different. Yeah, long long drives are interesting with the EV, I would guess. Uh, it's sort of like a treasure hunt, right? <laughs> yeah, range anxiety kicks in. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought clinical psychologists would have to deal with range anxiety? Is you know, <laughs> I wonder if it's in the DSM. But anyway. I mean, they they yeah. might have to. I get to be an experimental psychologist and avoid it by just not getting the, the EV in the first place. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. For me, it's like well, you know, I have to put a charger in my home and blah blah blah, and maybe I should do a photovoltaic. And by the time I do all that, how long am I going to live? You know, this is really going to cost me more than it's worth. So. <laughs> But uh, but my friend, many of my friends are EV fanatics, so you know they 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 get on my case all the time. But that's that's fine. That's good on them. Good on them. At any rate, uh, next up, I'm really curious about this. Have you guys seen the Pine Tab Two, which is I think available next month? It's a it's a modular. I think it's kind of a modular tablet that starts at uh, basically two models. One at basically 160, and the other at 210, depending on how much storage you have, RAM and storage. It, it runs on Linux, and, um, you know, I'm a huge Unix. I started life as a Unix person back in 1979 <laughs> at, at DC Santa Barbara. And so, you know, I grew up, and th- I, I've known that longer than MS-DOS and Windows, right, unlike most people. So that's that's my cup of tea, and I'm, I've never had a, a Linux it, PC or tablet. I've run a VMs on them. A copy of Pine Mail? <laughs> <laughs> I love Pine <laughs> I know people still use it. But, uh, really? Anyway, Pine Tab 2. Huh? The response, really? But anyway, Pine Tab 2, Linux tablet, uh, supposedly available next month um, based on, like I said, Linux, which is kind of interesting it's cheap enough that you know even if it's not great it's like eh, i didn't waste a lot of money unlike my unlike my uh surface rt <laughs> which i do regret greatly buying especially since the keyboard that came with it was terrible and I had to spend another 200 dollars on a good keyboard um but at any rate um uh, i'm 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 kind of tempted to get one anybody else gonna think i'll oh, at least thinking about getting one when it becomes available. I'm oh, waiting for somebody to write an article that says this is the year of the Linux tablet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep that streak alive somehow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Linux in, in general from, you know, <laughs> I noticed Steve had a comment in chat that's a very valid point. Uh, it's management from an enterprise perspective of Linux devices is still rather rudimentary there some of the uem platforms now are supporting it but when you look at how they support it versus how they support the other platforms it, yeah it's it's really it's a parallel and, yeah and the, the yeah. other the problem you get into is the problem you know for for many years uh well, we've seen it in platforms that we're a little bit familiar with with variations like Windows Mobile and custom versions of o, uh, oh of, boy. of uh, the OS and uh, Android in its early days. The problem with Linux management also becomes how many flavors you have of you know who do you support and who don't you support. Right. Uh, well, it'll be interesting it, under the hood what it's going to be running for a version of Linux. So yeah. that'll be my. In the enterprise, I, and, I, and this isn't an answer, but in, just a comment. In the enterprise, and having had to dealt with, deal with this, um, in the enterprise, basically you got to choose, like you said, Don, you just got to choose your flavor or flavors. Um, yeah. You know, in our yeah, case, it was basically Red Hat. 
um, because they did yeah. at least it's parallel, right? You can't do it from 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 Windows, but or from a Windows perspective, Microsoft perspective, or you could. You PowerShell can handle it now, but basically, it's a honest, parallel management. Yeah, I guess I guess I gotta wonder what the market is for a Linux tablet. That's a good considering question. the tablet market is kids that you don't want to buy a computer for, old folks <laughs> that don't need all that much, point of sale stuff. Those are not really the Linux markets. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. this is really an enthusiast thing, right? At you know, this it is, is a yeah. low I'm cost sure. enthusiast. Sure it's it not yeah. meant to be, yeah. you know, an iPad killer. I don't think. Um, I think it's a step above. If you remember the OLPC, uh, the one what laptop. Coffee shop would you go to with a Linux per child? tablet? You know. Yeah. <laughs> they have the same type of screen. <laughs> well. This brings to the point of, has anybody looked outside of Samsung, which obviously yeah. back to the enterprise and who supports a tab, uh, yeah. an Android tablet is going to be Samsung. But there's a large number of Android tablets that are not Are there? Sam yes. Yeah, poke around. All you have to do is poke around Amazon for about 10 minutes. Okay, I'm going to do that right now as we're talking. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't Android looked. They don't receive software updates. They don't receive security updates. So yeah. Uh, it's not really worth it. Yep, you need to you need to find the ones that are are Google services compliant. If they have the True Play Store and they're therefore Play Services compliant, then yeah, you're at least you're going to get some sort of update. But well, yeah, even then, Steve, the best point is that yeah. you know one of the reasons I've stayed away from Linux tablet for years now, after really having been a quite a quite a fan, you know, with the original Nexus and the original Galaxy Tab and stuff. Which both of which you know I have, and neither of work, which works today. But um, the problem with even the Samsung is that they are so far behind in OS updates. You know, I, I go to Costco every week. I go to Costco, and every week I pass by the Samsung ta Android tablets, and every week I look at them because they're pretty attractive price-wise and feature-wise, and you know I'm kind of tempted to buy one for my Doodle a Day project. Um, but I look at the version of Android they're running; they're like running eleven. Or, you know, or yeah. I think I saw 110. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's do run behind in general, even under the best of circumstances you are. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that as well. And Which is then, a shame because yeah. you I'm seeing more features in the later versions that are more tablet supported. That, yeah. But you're not seeing the OEMs, you know, device manufacturers pushing them out. And then when you check with Samsung oh. on when the updates are going to, um, you know, end of life, they're like, the end of life, like this year, <laughs> you know, and they're still on sale. They're still on store shelves. It's like, well, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's still so, rumored a new Google tablet. I mean, a Mac Pixel tablet. Or I thought that died. It, still, I thought Google killed that I thought project. it was still, no, it? I thought they were uh, still thinking about it for this year. The feeling IO you're going to hear about, because yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen the same thing. And I've seen, including <laughs> renders. Oh, yeah. Look yeah. Yeah, you're so right. I wouldn't be that's an I.O. announced this spring. I just went to the yeah, Google get... store, and it says coming in 2023, the new Google Pixel tablet. I guess I'll save my retiree nickel, yeah. nickels and dimes for that one. Yeah, yeah they've been okay. doing a lot in the – they've been doing a lot of Android on Google and on doing a larger form fats, form yeah. factors, mm. you know, for foldable phones and foldable whatevers. And, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's almost a tablet form factor once you open up one of those phones. Oh, yeah. I wonder so, how much yeah. this thing is going to cost. What do you think this is going to be, $800? Eight hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably probably yeah. right in the ballpark. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking too. Okay, I'll save my nickels and dimes. Yeah, I'd rather if they just went forward, just being like a Google Nest Home that you can actually just be undockable, dockable. Yeah, mm. that would be nice. I mean, I've, yes. I've got a couple of uh, Nest Homes here, and that you know, mm -hmm. if I could rip the one off, that would be a great little tablet. Yeah. Yeah, Amazon that's so Google. If you're listening, that's where you should go. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think I thought I read a rumor that they are thinking about doing. Oh, the the dock. They are they already talk about the dock yeah. on this. Yeah. yeah, with a speaker and you know all that kind yeah. of stuff. But yeah. basically, it's a really large Google Nest. Yeah. Um, so okay, so eight hundred dollars for the tablet and three hundred dollars for the dock. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but uh, and I have a Google Assistant. I have the Lenovo Smart Assistant. Which is you know the Google Assistant thing. I really like it. I use it a lot. I ask it questions all the time. I I, I have which I think I, which is kind of funny. I have a uh, my Nest Hub sitting next to me here, 
Yeah. And right next to it is my phone, my my Pixel phone. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Talk about overkill. When I ask a question, they get confused. <laughs> or I yeah. get a sense they get did the right device answer your question for you? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know, whoever. Well, you know, I think yeah, I've told I've you this story. Just how behind me. That's perfectly sized for a tablet. Yeah. In front yeah. Of it. I, I think I told you this story before, but I when right after I got my, my Lenovo Smart Assistant, my Google Assistant a couple of years ago, I was playing with it. I was asking it questions and, uh, you know, good old Echo chimes up and says, hey, I can answer questions too. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I would have run out of the house screaming just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like that child saying, hey, I'm here too. <laughs> It never did it again, by the way. It was just at one time. I could never replicate it. So I'm not sure what I said that, you know, had, uh, had the, you know, Miss A chime in like that. But it was quite startling, to be honest. Um, it's like, hmm. <laughs> okay, so a Google Pixel tablet goes on my, my wish list now, and hopefully it'll be semi-affordable. Uh, I, I will look forward to that. I'm also I'm also debating whether or not to upgrade my Pixel 4a because I think it end of life's this I think it end of life just now I think I got the last update it's going to get so a little bit sad. Does it smell funny? But you know that's the problem with the, the Android and well Chrome is getting better but Android stuff is it they only provide updates for a few years it's not. It's not like an iPhone. You know you're going to get five to six, seven years maybe even of uh, of iOS, yeah. iPadOS updates. I remember with... Dies. Premature. Yeah. I remember, I think my Nexus, my original Nexus or my original Droid, I think it only got like a year and a half of updates. I think it was 18 months and then it never got an update again, which was... Yeah, which is okay because the phones are so underpowered that it really wouldn't have been much good. But still, it was kind of upsetting. Um, and my Chrome... My Chrome, my Chromebooks, my my original Chromebook is turns five years old, I think, this year, and it's not going to get another update. So, which is all right because the screen is flickering. So I'm not sure what to do with it anyway. Um, alrighty, alrighty, good, good stuff. That's why I like talking to you guys. You guys always teach me stuff. <laughs> um, make you buy stuff, right, John? <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Well, That's now that really our goal, Todd. We're not we're not <laughs> trying to educate you. We're just really getting a commission off of everything you buy. <laughs> it, uh, oh, I just I just put down a, a deposit yeah. for that can of molecular beverage printer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you 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 mentioned something, Steve, in our chat that uh, that that Pine Tab is more like a remarkable tablet. Does it? Yeah, so it's. Yeah, so it's basically got the ink display and like a walk-on, and basically you use it for mostly note-taking. So, yeah, do you use a remarkable? I'm sorry, did you say you use a remarkable? No, I, I still use pen and paper. I just I'm a bullet journal person. That's the oh, way I work. Is the way my works. I have to write things down, even though I see it digitally. I write it down with pen and paper. Yeah, it usually sticks in my head. I tried going the the ink route with iPad and tablet PC and all that, and just it's just not the same. I mean. And I can take pictures of it too, like Don does with like this kind of like his rocket book and kind of and use that if I need to. So it works. That's what works best for me. And I was yeah. saying before about that that can of molecular beverage printer. That's the thing that looks like the next coming technology. I mean, <laughs> basically, car is actually actually I think one of the ambassadors for it. So you can have your own food replicator and basically uh, create your, any drink you want. It basically has two different cartridges: one for basically flavor nols, and the other one is for alcohol. So <laughs> you can just pick and select and create your own. So. Very interesting. <laughs> let, let us know how that goes. <laughs> if you yeah, can. I'm interested. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is. Like a, oh, go ahead, you Steve. Could hook that up. If you could hook that up through your Amazon stuff, so you can just walk in the house and say, "Alex, yep. I need a margarita." <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, they're looking at doing that, uh, which is kind of crazy. So, and this they also little... probably like like co-brand with different products out there, probably like Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Co. Yeah. Probably have their product lines in there too. So instead of saving on shipping and handling and all that stuff, you basically have a subscription to them. I think it's around fifty dollars a month. They they send you out when you're when you're low, kind of like your print cartridges back in the day with the ink. It's the same thing you to do with uh, drinks instead. So it kind of replaced the SodaStream model, where people have hacked that too, with hooking up huge CO2 tanks and 
creating their own mixtures, but it's like the, the next gen of what's to come. So I'm excited to see it. Molecular beverage. That is hilarious. Um, Steve, again, when you decide to tinker with the alcohol side of things, let us know yeah, how that Okay. <laughs> I was always like, like, hey, how much is a mass spectrometer? And I mean, maybe I'll get one myself and get the column ready and do a little bit more chemistry back at the house again. <laughs> and then break down other, like, good beers, good good wines. And because, like, molecularly, like, red wine and white wine are very close. And there's only a few molecules different. So you generally make any alcohol you want. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> I was, just thinking, I was just thinking, this is probably as close as we're going to get in my lifetime to the Star Trek food replicator. Yep. <laughs> which, which when I was younger, I was hoping for dehydrated alcohol so I could take it camping with me. But I, there is such a thing. Okay. There is sort of, yeah. I remember they yeah. had some uh, little micro beads that had alcohol in them that yep. you could, you know, they're very light and you could carry them and just add water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think there were... I remember this because uh, when I was working for the Department of, Con of Commerce and Consumer Affairs, I think they were trying to enter the market in Hawaii, and Hawaii said, no, no, this is a very bad idea to have people carrying around powdered alcohol. Can you imagine pixie sticks full of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of remember that, you know, more or less, that there was an interesting idea, and Hawaii said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> How much is this thing going to cost? This this can I'm I'm looking at the website. So, though. yeah, the first ten thousand people that do put down the deposit, I think it's going to yeah. come around four hundred ninety nine dollars, okay, and then okay. be seven ninety nine. But I've that. seen some latest press releases that might go up to a thousand dollars. Probably depends on ah. what what happens or when you buy it. You know, so or it's kind of like a Kickstarter. People get in early, get a discount. Right. People right, don't right. pay the price or pay the premium for it. And hopefully over time it will come down in price because they probably want to push a subscription model like we were just talking about earlier. <laughs> right. And as, as I think as Steve already mentioned, as Sir Patrick Stewart is apparently their uh, their brand branding, the face of the brand. Which Ambassador. Is, yeah. As, as, resident, so. as a resident of New Hampshire, where we have state-run liquor stores that are actually on Wait, wait, wait. Explain this again. Liquor state. I find this whole thing, we lose a lot of the luster when it's just... Wait, what is a state-run liquor store? What's that mean? Mm -hmm. You mean they're not privately owned? Nope. In New Hampshire, uh, beer and wine can be sold outside, but alcohol itself, yeah. uh, hard alcohol, is sold uh, only by the state. Huh. And uh, we're in New Hampshire with tax-free. It makes for a natural, uh, <laughs> as you can tell you... For a natural desire to cross into our state. I see, I see. But we actually okay. have half of our interstates where the rest stops are. We have New Hampshire state liquor stores. Yeah, so our, in a number of states. Live free, uh, live free or die. It's yeah. really live free and die. Uh, it's an and rather than. <laughs> I lived in a couple of states that, you know, state run liquor. Uh, the only thing that's better is Texas with drive-through liquor stores. I, I find that now if, if yeah. New Hampshire really had those in Florida too. Oh, Texas. Florida used to have those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to yeah, be in Texas. I used to be in Texas once a month back in the '90s when I worked for GTE, and yeah, that was an interesting state. That's that is an interesting state to be sure, most definitely. <laughs> Especially if you stay in the same hotel as uh, the Dallas Cowboys during spring training. And you know, oh, you, and at two hundred pounds, I felt tiny. <laughs> I was just about to say, in a typical Cowboys training camp, usually resulted in somebody being arrested from the team for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, they used to stay at the uh, DFW Marriott, where I used to stay when I, whenever I was in Dallas, and I'd see them every now and then, and they'd be in the elevator or something. Like, geez, these guys are huge. <laughs> Several of my neighbors were patriots or expatriots. So you just see them in the supermarket. They're like, oh, this whole shopping cart is full of food. He goes, that's just for me. <laughs> Lunch. Oh, boy. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Are we, where down to the, are we down to Don's peeves yet? Don's pet peeve of the week. That was always fun. <laughs> this is yeah. actually 
this is actually an oldie but a goodie. And it keeps on resurfacing. And and I, I I'm sure Steve sees this. I don't know if you other if you guys see this too, because I constantly get bombarded by by recruiters being in, in, in the tech sector. You get bombarded with emails and, and calls all the time. But there's there's always been this history and it seems to always keep coming up of non-existent certifications when they're putting into the requirements. I want you to be certified in X where there is no certification or I want you to have a certain level of experience that supersedes the existence of the technology by at least five years or more. Um, and lately I've seen such an explosion of this, especially in relation to, um, from a certification standpoint to Microsoft stuff. Perfect oh, really? example is everybody wants Intune certification. Uh. There is no one Intune, Microsoft Intune certification. The closest are the managed desktop certs, which are uh, modern desktop certs, which are about 70% Windows-specific or including old SCCM is now Microsoft uh, Endpoint uh, Configuration Manager. So, so it's like, so they say we want Intune certification. It's like, well, really, this, the, the, the training and the cert, they don't match up. Uh, but this is always, and, and the other one is, is language. I've had a bunch of Swift that they want at least like a decade plus of Swift. How are you going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> unless you unless you're yeah. the uh, creator of it you know maybe then <laughs> time machine yeah it, 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 it's really kicked in the overdrive lately i've seen a lot of this uh and it i you can write off a certain percent of it being recruiters that don't know better but these are yeah. companies that are passing the requirements on hmm. for for the to the recruiters and i'm like guys did they can you do due diligence to take five minutes to figure out what you're really asking for? Don't throw arbitrary things out there. It's, it's really, it really, gets, it, it really annoys me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. That's my piece. I remember program, folks. there was one uh, when I was working for another company, years and years ago, I was working for a company. We were working with a vendor and, Somebody decided they needed certifications for this vendor's product. And, you know, I told them, hey, there is no certification of this vendor's yeah. product. You either know it or you don't. And so I talked to the vendor and he says, well, would you write one? I said, yeah, I could write one. But then would I be certified too? I would have to pass my own test. You know, how does that work? Well, <laughs> you bring up the flip side to this, Todd. I worked at companies where our customers wanted us to have certification mm -hmm. paths. Yeah. And they use that to say, oh, that's how I choose how to hire. Yeah. And the falls back is a certification doesn't necessarily mean great proficiency, especially if it's a poorly written certification. Yeah, I hear you. What we don't matter with you know how much money it costs you to develop a certification program and then making sure you have the the legal team to deal with all the people who want to sue you for various reasons related to, we hired somebody who you said was certified who turned out to suck. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a whole cost sink behind it, but yeah, that was the flip side of it. They, we always had customers and some of our own people were saying we should have a certification program. And, and I worked with somebody who rang up the numbers and said, this is how much it's going to cost. And they thought we were crazy, but it was all made perfect sense. Yeah, well, I remember. I remember the Microsoft certifications. Each test was a couple hundred bucks, wasn't it? I mean, to I mean, it wasn't even a cert. It was like the modules to lead up to a cert. It's the yeah. modules, yeah. And yeah. it still is. Don and I used, yeah, because Don, I used to do the some of the, the writing the questions for Microsoft Learning and helping out with planning out the where they should be going and down the down the road. And we we it, it could be very very expensive going down the road to get a certification yeah. then in a few years that certification changes and you got to take another path so those people who were on that path they spent all this money and it was like a false investment until they have to get another certification and just continuing process but if you go for the big ones the major ones usually those are pretty good they fall under the standards like uh the cisco trainings usually are pretty good the uh can as well for palo alto networks their side of the, the house is usually pretty good and then if you just go for the general trainings that you have on the, that are available to have some good certifications too. I want to know what the guy who does real education thinks about this. <laughs> well, I, 
I had two things that I, I can add to this. The first is years ago when I taught A-plus certification, I'll never forget that I got hired for it, and I looked at the person that hired me and said, so do you want me to get A-plus certified before I teach this? <laughs> and uh, she looked at me, because I had my Microsoft certifications at the time, and she said, uh, sure, if you want to. Uh, so, you know, I, I went and did it just to – so that I could tell these people with a straight face that I knew what I was talking about, even though <laughs> it was a few steps below what I was at at that time. But anyway, talking about certification in tech, it gets a little even weirder when you're in higher ed and you're in a program that has no special accrediting body. Uh-huh. So psychology, like many arts and sciences you know, disciplines, the only accrediting body that cares about psychology is APA, and they only care about clinical psychology PhD program. Yep. They do not care about undergraduate programs. They don't care about other psychology PhD programs. It's only clinical psych. And I, my particular department is actually oddly placed. We're in a college of education instead of an arts and sciences. And Every time I talk to my dean and my chair and people in the College of Ed world, they sort of look at me weird when I say that the faculty get to decide certain things because we don't have an accrediting body telling us we have to do certain things. So I think there's always this weirdness in education, even on the technical side versus the uh, you know, higher ed side, where people are always looking for an adult to say that you know what you're doing. And they really don't like it when you have the qualification to say, I know what I'm doing by yourself. <laughs> and, in, and in tech, that seems to be the case. You know, if I have someone come in who's hired, who I'm interviewing for a tech job, I remember I was interviewed one time for my postdoc, where my postdoc was, we need someone who has a PhD in psychology with a specialization in decision making who also knows how to run a Linux web server which is not exactly a large overlap there in the Venn diagram. And the person interviewing me said, so what's the difference between an inner and outer join in SQL? And I said, you know, I haven't done SQL joins in a while. I know there is a difference, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. And he looked at me and said, well, you know what a join is, so that's good enough. Good enough. <laughs> you know, like, if you know, if I'm not speaking a foreign language to you right now, then you know what you're talking about. If you had looked at me and went, what? Then this would have been a different conversation. So yeah. I do find it very funny, though, that we're always looking for others to do the vetting work that we should be doing when we're hiring people. And so, asking for these non-existent certifications makes me really worry about the people that are supposedly doing the hiring and vetting that they have no idea what they should even look for in an interview. So I have an yeah. anecdote about something Steve posted to our chat about uh, some use providing teaching certific- certifications, cybersecurity and stuff. So you, some of you might recall that I posted on Facebook, I found this notebook I had and a pen I think that uh, said that I went through University of Somebody's cyber terrorism course, and I couldn't remember it. And then I found a certificate that said I, I went through it and passed. And I'm like, dang, when did I do this? <laughs> and what do I know about cyber terrorism? <laughs> I um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you, when you talk about the cyber, I mean all. I think every college and university in this country, I don't know, John, you could tell me if this is the case, are rushing to have cybersecurity majors or, or minors at this point. Um, and what I'm seeing, some of these, the curriculum you can tell is we're rushing to put together a curriculum on cybersecurity. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, yeah. training of users on cybersecurity as well. That's something that we actually had this week was our mandatory yearly training on cybersecurity. Oh, and yeah. I was actually shocked that they went out and bought a good one this year. So I put a link <laughs> in our chat to InfoSec Institute's Work Bites, which well, is hands down one of the best ways I've ever seen of communicating InfoSec type concepts. Uh, The whole idea is that all of these fictional characters work in a company. Uh, So things like a pirate captain and alien and uh, (laughs) fairy godmother. And you've got the two poor security folks that are doing the trainings. And uh, these were actually engaging videos to watch that actually taught the concept. So, I'm really hoping that 
the industry is starting to realize that communicating in humorous, engaging ways will actually get people to yeah. understand these concepts. Uh, but yeah, I, I was shocked this week. I knew it was bad when people were telling me, hey, can we download those videos? Those were pretty funny. And I had to find a way to download them so that people could you know, share them with each other. Uh, That's pretty good if it goes viral, you know? Yeah. As long as they're well acted, I'm okay with it. Because as soon as you describe that with personalities and, you know, yeah. all I can remember are all bad HR videos i've had to watch over the oh years boy. about work related issues that the bad characters reminded me of like worse than forget steve carell's office character it was like ricky gervais's office character and it was poorly acted and done and you're by oh. the end you're not learning anything other than, than, than focusing on god this is really bad acting and yeah. Well, and and some and sometimes you know a lot of the cybersecurity stuff, especially, doesn't seem very realistic to me. It's like, really, would that really happen? I mean, I know a lot of dumb stuff happens, but in real life, the way you react is very different from in these you know these training videos. I remember I remember going through some active shooter stuff and uh, and thinking, you know, when I was a DoD contractor, we we once had I shouldn't say we, you know, it was just I'm just a vice innocent bystander. There was once an active shooter drill where they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Because <laughs> they wanted you to, you know, have some realistic reactions. And I see people running around with guns, and I'm like, what the hell's going on, you know? And it's a very different thought process than watching a video about an active shooter drill, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's funny, the whole in the workplace, whether it be very HR-ish yeah. or infosec related it's a it's a tough audience to begin with when you think about it because the average worker goes oh, here we yes, go that again. was me that, that was me not my job job that i'm having to learn about yeah so you better make sure it's it, it's somehow good news john that one stuck apparently the one you yeah. guys got well I'll, but so give them and people just tune out and yeah and in the end like i said they what they've learned is nothing to do with what they were supposed to learn about. You know, you know when I was still working, the, uh, the state's chief information security officer had an office right next to mine. And so every now and every once a year, I would poke my head in his office and I would say, hey, you know, and, and budget requests had to pass through me for IT and for my signature. And I, I, used, to, I used to poke my head in once a year because, hey, you know, I, I see your cybersecurity training thing again. I'm not going to sign it. <laughs> it's just so bad. I'm just not going to sign it. Yeah, but I eventually I did. But it was a good threat, you know. <laughs> a true uh, cyber threat. Yeah, but I will tell you a good anecdote that's fairly recent. So a couple of years ago, there's a young guy, and I, I I passed by his cubicle, and he had like 40 windows up on his screen, all playing video at the same time. He had a pretty good PC. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He says, oh. I'm running all of the cybersecurity training videos at once, and I'll just answer the quiz at the end. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's how most people do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very efficient. Yeah, but the certification program, yeah, yeah, the certification programs are good. The ones that are out there too, the CISA ones, CISA Security Plus, those are usually the top three that most people go for. And I know when you're hiring people, most people, if even if you're in the process of taking those classes, that will generally just be a, a good uptick for people to get hired as well, too, as long as they're going through that training. If they haven't even completed it, it just shows that they are doing it. And most people say within a year or two for some job listings, they'll say as long as you get that certification within a year after you're hired. So mm -hmm. job might we even pay for it, too, to help those people get that, at least that base level training. And OJT is always the best way to learn, in my opinion, for everything. I, I do agree with you. There are certain certifications that have existed or do exist today that based on what you hear from the real, <laughs> the people I, I, we give credit to for under knowing what's good and what's not. There, yeah. there are those that exist. Uh, I wish there was some sort of over, overseeing sanctioning body <laughs> that says this certification, yeah, this program, no, you need to, you need to, to, to get with the program. Uh, but yeah, it's, the, the sad part is, is that the de facto for so many businesses, the de facto response is, oh, you have a certification in something? Yeah. Oh, okay. That means I knew guys that gamed 
Microsoft certifications. It was a game to them. All they did was do exactly what they needed. They get every cheat study guide and, and focus. And uh, honestly, a lot of those guys didn't know half of what they should have known in the basics. Never mind in yeah. advance. But yeah. they, they had knew all, how to take tests. Now you see, Don, what what I did was I just got my Microsoft certifications before they expired. So my certifications are so old, they had no expiration date or renewal requirement because yeah. back in the early 2000s, Microsoft figured once you had an MCSE, you were good. So, I, you know. Yep, still got some that are still valid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. I remember the early 90s. when they started doing the, uh, when they actually started saying you had to recertify, right. uh, they looked at, my group was the last group, and it was, well, you're just now MCSEs on Windows 2000. Mm. And so that's, technically, I could just say I'm that forever, and it dates me as Windows 2000. But, you know, it is very ironic how many things have not changed architecturally between Windows 2000 and Windows 2018. So, yep. A lot well, of useful that, stuff. Every so often, I still run around. I, one of the electives I took was migrating an NT4 domain to 2000, and every so often, that knowledge even comes up, which is even more bizarre. Well, see, now you're making me worried, because as you know, I've been going through this Swedish death cleaning, and I've been throwing away a lot of books that I figure nobody really wants to read, because they're like Windows NT administration or you know something like that, and I'm thinking, maybe I shouldn't have thrown them away. I don't know. I don't know. I doubt I'll ever do that again, but... I don't know if there's collectible as an original iPhone in the box, but you know you could have sold it to somebody. I'm sure. <laughs> the, not the books, not the books. I mean, you know, I do have an so unopened have a nice book burning. I, I do. book that I really, really got it. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Hey, do you have the copy with the actual phone on the back, or just the white square? Just the white square. You got just the white square. That was the one that they swore to me didn't make it out into the wild. <laughs> That's it right. was actually about, I think it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I think it was 10 years ago this week. I actually found that book in a Barnes and Noble in Seattle area. Uh, they had an MVP summit or something like that. So that was, yeah, good times. Good times. How, how much was it listening for on Amazon? Uh, far too much, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I've had one of my books was on there like that. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like it's out of my signed by the author. Yeah, mine signed. Let's see. You look on Amazon.com, thirty four ninety nine in stock right now. You can go buy it brand new. Alrighty. <laughs> That's only going up five. And please, please, somebody do that at some point because I still owe royalties on that thing. You know, it's still dragging down my <laughs> my reports. I actually, I, I have this book and I have a couple of the ones that I did the technical reviewer on. And I think those are the only technical book books I still have left after all these years. Everything else is now either an ebook or. What did you do with I, your old books? Did you just toss them or? Because I'm tossing the ones I think nobody will want to read. Where I donated some. Okay. I had some that were yeah. not that far out of date, and I oh, thought okay. there were still books to them. Yeah, so, I don't. Th I don't think Windows Vista, you know, <laughs> secrets or whatever is. <laughs> what oh, is, there you. What's when oh, holding up? It's all blurry. I know. Let's yeah, six point two. Yeah, it's a six point two two upgrade. Ooh, so when oh, I yeah. when I get to retire and I start doing my desk cleaning, I got, I got some stuff. <laughs> In box. Windows Phone game development, Windows Phone 7 game development, Windows Mobile game development. Ah, the good old days when it was a thing. When Windows Mobile is still a thing. I went over I went over to go see if I had my un my sealed, my shrink wrap MS DOS 5.0 box, but I couldn't find it. I have it somewhere around here. Why that's so blurry? Streets, yeah. Oh, streets and trips. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one that came with the GPS, remember? The little GPS? Yep. Yeah. That's this is the one. That's the one? Yeah. Yep. That, right there. that needed yeah. to go acquire six satellites, which took about thirty minutes in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you on GLONAS or <laughs> Well, you know, because of because of where the the, the sat satellites are positioned um, in well, Hawaii, we had to wait for them to line up. Yeah, yeah. Time. You know, thank goodness, you know, we have assisted GPS with Wi-Fi and stuff now. Otherwise, you know, 
it, it'd still be a mess. And yes, we do need a yeah, GPS original, even on the island. <laughs> yeah, my original Garmin, I, you had to kind of know where you are and put the lap long in it. Otherwise, it would take two days for it to. Yeah, walk on. yeah. I had to stick <laughs> mine in the right in in the in under a window in my car so it could you know, actually see the sky. <laughs> yeah. Uh the good old days, pioneering yeah. days, man. Like, do you know where we're going? I will in about twenty five minutes. Just you know, be patient. <laughs> it's got three satellites now. We're getting there. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. And the last thing I see in our notes, is, oh, actually, two more things in our notes. Uh, oh, wait, we'll put this in. Is this Don? Is this you too? Another no, page number two? Uh, the, 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 the peeves on Microsoft. Oh, teams, yeah. Yeah, that was that was me. I was just, when I got onto this thing, I clicked, you know, I'm an old guy, so I went to the start menu. I clicked it up. I clicked the T because I figured it'd be called Teams. No, there's no Teams on my machine. Oh, you have to click M because it's Microsoft Teams. Right, right. And I, and it's yep. Microsoft right. to do. And I remember it's gotten better, it looks like, because I looked. But it used to be, you know, three quarters of the things that Microsoft produced was Microsoft whatever. Yeah. And they were all, yeah. all in the M's. I actually you, prefer so, that. Yeah. I, I don't remember. You know, I know it's Microsoft, but I don't need yeah. to go to M to find Microsoft Word. Yeah, and he goes W. That's I kind of like be. having all the Microsoft things in one, you know, section of the put it in pull a folder, or whatever. So, um, yeah, the other thing I put down there is, is since you always wonder what what I bought lately, and since yeah. it hasn't been very long, I bought much. Um, you know, if you look on the back of on on your chargers and stuff, they have some you know two point font writing on them that yes. tells you what what they do. Yeah. And you always try to get your phone and use the magnifier on your phone right. or get two pair of reading glasses in front of each other to try to read this thing. And I finally decided that I'm going to get a magnifier for it. And Sataki makes this um, uh, magnifier with a light in it that actually I found is – I had a lot of Sataki points, so I, it was basically free when I got it. But it's not bad for 25 bucks. But it's, it's surprisingly bigger than you would think. It's almost like baseball-sized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the old it's map got, readers. It's got a light on the inside of it, and uh, it's set up so you can probably, if I push the front, the uh, light comes on and it just turns off. So you set this over something and tap it, and light comes on, and, and I have no problem reading the back of my anchor power brick or whatever <laughs> to see what, yeah. So I, you know, but this is it's actually... It's a useful little thing. If you go, go, to, yeah. go to Amazon, you can find it there, and they have a whole bunch of other manufacturers that make things like that but they're this, I find this, actually pretty cool yeah this is actually very timely uh Sven because I as you know as part of my Swedish death clean one of the things I need to try to figure out how to do is to unburden myself of 5,000 plus comic books that I've collected since you know the beginning of time and so I went out and uh and bought a uh, the current copy or current version of Overstreet comic book um price guide yeah, and I I bought you can get the app a subscription by the way, but the subscription is so expensive it's cheaper to buy the book at thirty bucks. So I bought the book, and you know I only need it once I think. And yeah, yeah, small print. Steve's just putting a note. Yeah, it's got the tiniest print. You know, I have to actually turn a light on to read it if I'm in a you know not optimally lit room area. And I think I was thinking I need to get a bigger magnifying glass. So this this or something like it might be it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Coin yeah, taking pictures on, guys. Good. I usually take two or three pictures till I get one that's not blurry. blurry. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But you know, again, yeah. I got this. Is, I'm going through it's a like whole those old, book. old coin stamp. Yeah, I'll, let me go grab the book while you guys are. Yeah, the old coin and stamp buying guys just have really, really thin paper, really, really small print. <laughs> I just remember those days when I was younger. Yes. My grandfather would say, "Hey, can you read this?" <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now I am a grandfather. So this book is pretty thick. It it's about yep. maybe inch and three quarters, two inches thick, and the print is. I'm going to say eight point maybe on a good day. Uh, is that Wizards? This is no, this is Overstreet. Okay. This is Overstreet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I, I used to read Wizard actually because they used to be a monthly publication, right? But at any rate, so, oh, I'm not talking to you, Siri. So, no. Uh, I don't know. And so the, the, Miss S decided to chime in on something for some the sibilance in my speech must have set it off. Yeah. I'm surprised there's not an app for that. You just scan the 
UPC code and then automatically tell you what it is. Yeah, there is an app, and like I said, it's just I just didn't want to spend that much money for. A, it's basically a subscription, one of those subscription apps. So you pay, I don't know, ten bucks a month or something. So I said, you know what? I will just pay thirty-five dollars or whatever. This, I, maybe on Amazon is like thirty dollars, <laughs> and just buy the book. And then once I'm done with my five thousand comic books, I will not need it anymore. Um, but it's it's an interesting process. I haven't, I still, I still haven't made the move to actually do it yet. But it's it's coming soon. It turns out actually it'd be cheaper to burn the comics than to keep paying the. I have, I, I had to you know rent a storage room. I have a ten by ten. No, that's, they said it's not ten by ten. What is it? Eight by eight by something by ten. It's a walk-in to store everything securely and you know dehumidified environment and everything. So, but they just they're raising their monthly price, so it'd be like I said, it'd be cheaper to burn it than to keep keep it for another more couple more years in there. Um, so that is one of my projects and I will be looking for a magnifier of this type for sure. I didn't think about that. I have the old school magnifying glass, you know, the kind used to take out into the woods and look at leaves and stuff, but that was, mm -hmm. that's all I have. Alrighty. And that, that brings us to an hour. So I just want to thank everybody, especially Steve who got this on very short notice for taking the time to be here. Thank you, Mr. Hughes. Appreciate it. Swen, Don. West John Westfall, the good Dr. John. We will talk to you later. <laughs>